0: Before I start, Brock and I both want to thank all of you who've taken the time to write a review for Build Your Tribe. I know we don't always ask for that, but it's pretty huge. If you have a podcast, you know it's a big deal. I know and he knows that it takes time out of your day and it means a ton to us. So thank you to everyone who writes those. I stop by and I read them every day when I go to sit down to record. So today I want to give a big shout out to Daddy Gang member, which is hysterical iTunes name, Daddy Gang member 1229, dude, thank you so much for your review. I appreciate you. We appreciate you. If you look down below in the show notes, you'll see there's a cryptic message just to you, Daddy Gang member 1229, and I will be doing the same for any of you who write us a review. On iTunes or whatever app it is you're listening to this on. just If you write a review, it means a lot to us. We read them. And if we feature your name or your review, you'll always be able to check the show notes because we have a special surprise for you. And every single month, we give away a $2,000 scholarship to the Marketing Impact Academy. And every single week, we give away hundreds of dollars worth of prizes to those of you. Surprises, gifts in return for your kind submissions. Thanks again. Whether you're a solo entrepreneur looking to grow your brand in social media, or you've got dreams for a global brand, Build Your Tribe is here to serve you. All right, mom, this one's all you. Oh, I've got a great interview for you today. This is Kathy Heller. Now, you are going to love the takeaways today. Kathy Heller has a podcast, by the way, called Don't Keep Your Day Job. It has over 10 million downloads. And this is a conversation with someone who is a creative. She's a singer and songwriter, that's right, a singer and songwriter, who has figured out a way to translate that into becoming a life coach, a business coach, and one of the hottest podcast hosts. You're going to love this episode because you're going to understand not just how to maybe make a living at something that's in a way that's perhaps unconventional or that you haven't thought about. You're going to hear what it takes to get things done, like the energy that's required when you've got small children and big dreams and you want to be a great mom and you also have big dreams for yourself. Like you want to do big things, not just for your family, but for you and for your kids. And she's just a phenomenal energy. She's sparking a movement for every soul to add their gift because you have one to the world. Kathy encourages thousands and thousands of people every day to pursue their dream, to think outside the box, to have fun, do what you love. She's been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur Magazine, Huffington Post, New York Times, Inc. Magazine, Build Your Tribe. She's a married mother of three girls, and she is a spark plug. Meet Kathy Heller. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for joining me today on Build Your Tribe. I'm really excited to dig into this. I love you.
1: I love (laughs) everything about you. I really do. And you're one of those people that I've been watching you from afar, and then to meet you and find out that you're even more loving
0: and sincere in person. That's so sweet. I guess I am sometimes a little more snarky in social media than I am in real life.
1: Oh, my God, in the best way. I just mean that you're like, you're everything that you think you are and then some.
0: (laughs) You're good for my ego. I'm so inspired by your story. And I think I know other people are really gonna be inspired by your story. The first thing I want to talk about is the fact that you are a mother with three young girls. And when I say young, three under the age of eight. So three, six, and eight. Is that accurate? Yeah. And you're a podcaster. Yep. Yep. And you produce two shows a week. And a top podcaster, I might add, you've had some incredible guests. So let me just say right off the bat, if you love build your tribe, you will love Kathy's show. Don't keep your day job. Incredible yeah. guests. I'd like and you know, I think we've talked about how voice is important. Your voice helps me to hear a message. Like certain voices, like do you know what I'm talking about? Like it turns into white noise. Yeah. And your voice really helps me hear a message. Thank you. In addition to that, you're married, and you help tens of thousands of people every week. You have online academies, and in addition to that, you're you're an artist, you know. And so, for moms who feel like they have to do all the things, oh boy, um, you're one of those people that they're like, oh geez, man, I, I'm not doing enough. She can do all this plus be a great mom. But what would you say to that person, and maybe it's a dad who's feeling that same way?
1: Yeah. First of all. We all spend so much time being so hard on ourselves, and it is—it is just so unnecessary. You're doing amazing, and I, I really think that it's not often enough that you pull over to the side of your life and look at what you do do, and look at how much you've survived. You know, like I've been on the planet long enough to know that everyone who's listening, by the age of seven or twelve, like your heart has been broken in a million pieces. Now add to that, you just said, what about the person who's, they're a parent and you're juggling all, I mean, it's like, there's just so much on us all the time and I don't think we give ourselves enough credit. And I think it's important to stop and look at you know what we are juggling because we build on success even more than we build on failure. And I just wanted to say that I really get it. And I also want to say that nothing that I'm doing is happening without struggle. Like, right? I can just tell you that growing up in my house and watching my mom struggle with depression and seeing my parents so unhappily married and then eventually mm. divorced, mm. it was a 100% intentional for me that I had to have a sense of myself and be a mother. So what exactly did that mean for you? I knew that I couldn't make that a choice. I couldn't say, well, I'm going to give up myself and give up the things that make me feel fulfilled in order to be a parent. Because I watched my mom do that and she was so, so sad. Mm. And she struggled with being suicidal and just so much. And I thought, there's just no way. And I was really scared. Before I had kids, I thought, oh my God, what am I doing? If I have a child... Well, there goes me right out the window. I'm going to give it all up and I'm going to want to just be the best person I can be for my kid. And so it was very intentional for me. And the irony of ironies is that with every kid, I only became so much more successful. (laughs) Like my podcast, which is the most recent thing I've done comparatively, I started it three years ago. I started that when my youngest was 10 days old. That's insane. I had yeah. I mean, it is insane. Like I had postpartum depression. I was anxious. I was exhausted. I wasn't sleeping. Breastfeeding just all and (laughs) and two little ones in addition. Oh my god! And yet, started a podcast which became so successful. We're at almost eleven million downloads, and I was just a girl doing a show in my closet. And everything I've done has only been more successful with every child. Mm. And there's
0: a lot of reasons for that well, let's break that apart if we can, but before I do, I just don't want to lose track of this. You said, you know, I looked at the way my parents were, and in particular what came of my mom and how she struggled with depression and anxiety, and she was you know really a shell of herself yeah. and you alluded to this, so I just want to clarify, do you feel like it's because she put her own dreams and passions aside and focused on being a mom or is, or was it she was just Struggled with depression and never dealt with it?
1: Um, I think it was both, but I would say it was the first part is even more what strikes me Mm. as being true because when I've heard it said that the
0: opposite of depression is not happiness, that the opposite of depression is actually purpose. Does that mean we as women, once we become mothers, we have to do something outside of the home? Can I be living my purpose? And connected and doing what I believe I was formed to do. If I'm just, and I say just with quotations, if I'm just a mom or just a dad, it's not about the package it comes in. It doesn't have
1: to be that you find your purpose opening up a coffee shop or being a dancer Mm -hmm. or making pottery. Mm -hmm. You might be the person who every day there's like three different human beings in the world and you show up for them and it makes Mm. you feel like you've proved your existence. Like It might be that there's a few people and you're that kind of person that when people are around you, for whatever reason, they just feel that there's a safe space and they can talk. And it makes you feel so alive to show up for those people.
0: Why do you think the thought or the command that we're supposed to find our purpose or we're supposed to find that thing that we were meant to do why does that scare people so much and they struggle to think that they might be making the wrong choice or doing the wrong thing why does it oh, scare because people? because so we much? are so overthinking it
1: and i've heard you talk about this but you know here's what it is we are so terrified that we are not going to be seen we are so afraid of being invisible that is our deepest deepest core fear and so what we do is instead of just choosing something, we sit there and we make this existential fight that doesn't have to happen where we're like, no, but what's the thing? What is the thing? Okay, so then what is it that we're missing? Here's what it is that we don't really get. Whatever you choose, whether you choose to be a travel writer or you're going to teach people how to knit or you're gonna be a vegan blogger, you mm-hmm. show up. Everything you are Mm. is coming along with you. So it's not really important even what the vehicle is. It's important that you just show up for the thing. And that's what people don't get. It's like I started out, the first thing I wound up doing successfully
0: was writing music for film and TV. Okay, hold on. Before you go to the next stage, tell me about your background as a, a musician, as an artist.
1: Yeah, I mean... My background was basically that I came out to LA 16 years ago. I wanted to sing. I loved writing music. Music was the only thing that really, it just made me feel like I could get through another day growing up. It was like this incredibly sweet elixir. And the only thing I knew about making a living from that was being a rock star. Like no one had ever shown me four or five different iterations of what that is. So
0: was that your dream? Was your Did you picture yourself moving to LA and getting a, a music deal? And was your family supportive of that? I mean, my parents
1: were not really emotionally there at all. The bottom had dropped out. My dad left when I was just starting high school. My mom was struggling with depression. Nobody was really minding the store. So of course they mm-hmm. were like, do whatever you want. Just, you know, I hope you're surviving somehow. But what happened was you know, they don't just give out record deals, as it turns out. I thought that that wasn't going to be a thing. (laughs) Here (laughs) I am, ready for my close-up. And I wound up getting a job and got a roommate and worked really hard to figure out how to write songs. And at first, they were pretty mediocre and then they got better. And then I actually did get offered a record deal at Interscope. And I was sitting with Lady Gaga at Sunset Sounds, which is a recording studio. She was recording paparazzi. I had just gotten signed to the the label i'm dead right now and yeah, no, it was very surreal and i was really excited and at the same time there was a baby part of me a little part that felt like i was not really who i was genuinely i felt like i was trying to wear the right clothes and sing the right way but i thought that's okay this is just what you have to do and i wound up getting dropped from that label a few months later Everything is a business and everything has to have an ironclad marketing strategy. And we have to know Mm -hmm. that you have an audience. And, and really, just like everything that you teach, it's the same thing in a, in a label setting where they'll say, okay, who already has your audience? Where does your audience already go? What concerts do Mm -hmm. they go to? So where would you open? You know, what, who would you open for? And, and what bill would you be on and all of that stuff? And the kinds of people who were like me were people like, Natalie Merchant and Colby Kelly and it was more of this sort of like singer songwritery type. It wasn't gonna be this smash pop club hit. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy Iveen, who ran the label, said, you know, I it's that kind of like gray area where I could see if you had a soundtrack and you were sort of like that opening song to Devil Wears Prada. like I could see people getting on board. But if you're just going to try to make it go for it without that, it's not going to be a top 40 single. It's just not that kind of music. And so they dropped me.
0: Oh, wow. And is this like an in-person conversation?
1: I was driving and Ron called and said, can you pull over? Because I want to tell you. This. And I was like, oh. And that was really, really painful for me because
0: like, take us through that moment. Did you pull over? Did you cry? Yeah, Did you say I'm
1: not going to tell anyone? I really felt like, oh, you know, I was so close and I felt like, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself now. Like, what am I going to do? Mm. Go get a job and like wear mm. a pantsuit when like, I know that there's <laughs> something inside of me that's magical. And I'm just going to go live a life and go to the grocery store. Like I have something to say. And yet it was such a beautiful blessing because it eventually led me to where I am now, which is so much more me. And at the Mm. time, I just couldn't see my own path. And I think part of the reason that we all, you know, sometimes get stuck is just because we don't see a path forward. Sometimes, the best thing that a person can do for you is showing you a new possibility. And at the time, like I said, I thought it was either Beyonce or bust. I didn't see any Mm. other possibility. I knew that I was the kind of kid who had something to say and I had a tremendous amount of empathy and I liked to write music. So it was like, oh, well, I'm either going to be Sheryl Crow or nothing. Mm. But often there's so many other nuances (laughs) to how we can show up and how we yeah. can, especially today where everyone's on the other side of your smartphone, and oh my god, you don't need a label. You don't need anything in order to serve Ugh. the world. It is so exciting and so incredibly it's just so rich with possibility now. But I didn't start a podcast till I was 38. What wound up happening was I wound up getting a job job because I didn't know anything else. And people were like, Yeah, Kath, this is called being a grown up, okay? You're not yeah, gonna get to right. be a r- recording star. You're gonna go get a job. <laughs> And so I got a bunch of different jobs. I remember working in a casting office and I was like, this is so ridiculous, why am I here? Oh. And then a friend of mine said, if you're gonna just do work, just make money. A friend of a friend <laughs> knew somebody who worked in Brentwood who sold commercial real estate and I went to work for him and he was like, oh, all you gotta do is you know, call a bunch of investors. And anyway, I did that for a couple years and I was actually doing pretty well I was making a couple hundred thousand dollars at like twenty five, twenty six, but Dang. I was so not myself. And I would look in the mirror and I just didn't recognize me. I was like, I don't know where she went, that girl. I don't know who mm. she is anymore. Were you still singing and writing songs no. for yourself at that no, time? No, I had told myself that I was going to do it, but I didn't. And mm. I just started, it was like golden handcuffs. I was just making decent yeah. money and. I was eating sushi when I wanted to and I was like, you know what? (laughs) I can't, this is not enough. I can't live like this. Like I don't want to just watch Netflix and have cute jeans. I want something else and I want to feel like myself and I feel like everyone I meet really feels that being rich is really a feeling of living life on your terms. Like,
0: (sighs) amen. Yes.
1: And I didn't feel like I was living life on my terms and so I quit the job and I was so determined because my, I only had a little bit of savings and I thought, I got to figure this out. What am I going to do? And I asked myself a new question and the new question was, is there any other way to do anything with music? And I started to research that question and I found out that there were a lot of indie songwriters who were not rock stars necessarily, but they were making a living writing songs that they would license to shows like Grey's Anatomy and One Tree Hill And I said, oh my God, I never thought about that. And I thought, what if I put my heart and soul into figuring this out? And so I started to ask the question, you know, who are the people at Paramount, NBC, Lionsgate? Who are the people that are choosing these songs and what songs do they need? Like, how could I actually solve a problem for them? And I started to see, oh my God, that's so interesting. I started noticing that on different episodes of different shows, they were always having these same storylines. It was like about being there for someone. It was about overcoming something. It was about unrequited, you know, loving someone who didn't necessarily love you back. And I started to think, I wonder if I could write these universal messages. And I started writing these kinds of songs and I started to figure out who the people were that were choosing these songs.
0: I mean, you have to do some serious research to figure out like, okay, who's the decision maker? Not just who wrote the song, but who's making the decision? Exactly. Well, I started to do that research and I found out there was a person
1: called a music supervisor who was choosing music. I started to ask myself, like, how would I stand out? Like they're another human being, right? Just like me. And they Mm -hmm. get so many emails and so many phone calls and it's not their job to be sitting waiting for me to reach out so that they can give me an opportunity. Like that's not anyone else's job. How could I actually be kind to them and helpful to them? And I started sending you know, emails where I would ask them sort of, I would have these like personable emails. I wouldn't say, hey, my name is Kathy. Here's four paragraphs about everything I've ever done. And here's my music. Go ahead and listen. Like I wasn't there to give them homework. I was there to ask them sincerely, like how could I help make your job easier? And is there anything you're looking for right now? And, and it worked. In fact, one of the things I did one time was I sent an email with a little PDF that I made to about 80 people. And it said, mochas and music. It said, step one, tell me your favorite Starbucks drink. Step two, tell me what day and time to drop it off. And step three, I'll bring you some. That is so clever. And you know what? I sent it to about 80 people and about 20 people didn't respond. And another 20 people said, no, thanks. And then there was like 20 people who said, sure, you can bring me a caramel macchiato, pumpkin spice latte. And I, I walked in with these drinks and i didn't have this presumptuous like oh now i'm going to sit down and you know talk about myself i just sort of dropped off the drink and said thank you and people said stay you know tell me about yourself and i would say tell me about you and i really 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 love people and so i would ask them questions like why do you love your job and you know is it stressful and are you married and do you have kids and how do you balance it and i just enjoyed becoming everyone's friend and would you believe that a year later Every single one of those people that I had a meeting with, I brought them coffee. Every single one of those people started using my music
0: and film and TV. Oh, my gosh. What a testament to the power of making a personal connection. And then for a decade, literally for 10 years,
1: I was making three to $400,000 a year writing songs for all of these TV shows like Pretty Little Liars and Criminal Minds and Switch to Birth and ads for McDonald's wow. and Walmart and Kellogg's and... I would go to the studio on a Monday and write a song and then I would pitch the songs Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then people would use my music. And I probably had like 35 people at different ad agencies and different TV studios and film studios that were using my music and that's it. And from 35 people in the world, I built a career and I had a child and another child. And then what happened next was really what you talk about. And I never
0: saw it coming. What is the takeaway for someone listening right now who's maybe not in music, maybe doesn't have to knock on doors, but like, what's the takeaway? You got to take action. You know, like you can talk
1: and talk about what you want to do, but you've got to do. And I mm-hmm. think most people, they have such good ideas, but they have no momentum. And the momentum mm-hmm. only comes when you go to the person. Yeah. You got to figure out, first of all, who needs this thing and then where are they? Right.
0: The lesson. Is universal. I mean, it transcends any industry. Before you could offer the solution you knew you had, you had to make the connection. So instead of working on perfection, you worked on the connection so that you could then say, and here's your solution. Because I'm not looking, if what I'm hearing you say, I'm summarizing this, is that even if you have the solution, what do I care? Who are you if I'm not connected to you? So the value there was a the time that you spent connecting with people. Yeah.
1: And as Seth Godin, who was on our show, said to me, at the core of successful business, it is radical empathy. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons why I really resonate with everything you do and this this idea of build your tribe, I just wrote a book and my editor at Macmillan, she said to me, if you had to boil this entire book down into one tool, one strategy, one principle, what is it? And I Mm -hmm. said, audience you need to build that connection. And so that is really what you just said. That is ultimately the most important thing. And like I said, I had 35 people at the end of the day who knew who I was. And I wasn't dealing with Spotify. I wasn't caring about you know that whole millions of people. I was just like, could I create a business B2B helping other people choosing music? And I was able to make a few hundred thousand dollars a year Doing that consistently. And you know, if somebody does something once, you could say well, they got lucky. But if they do it over and over and over and over again, it's not lucky now. This is called strategy. Yeah. Something's working. And it's the same thing I teach people no matter what your business is, you're right. It is universal. Make the connection with who you're serving and then really ask, ask to know try to figure out how to not only connect to them as a human, because people like to do business with people that they like, but then Mm -hmm. what do they need? And then go make it. Mm -hmm. It's not that difficult. Mm -hmm. And don't put it on yourself to come up with that on your own. Like, Go build the business based on that conversation. So I did that for 10 years. And then the thing that I never saw coming was that Mm -hmm. I started to get featured in Billboard and Variety and the LA Weekly, these full page stories. People were like, oh my God, I'm amazed that you're doing this on your own. No agent all by yourself, making such good money and you don't have a record deal. And the thing I didn't see coming was that so many artists read those stories and said, can you teach me how to do that? And I'm like, Mm. teach you how to do that? What does that mean? You want me to have coffee with you? What does it mean? So then I got an email from this woman saying, can you teach an online course? Because I don't live in LA, I can't meet you in person. I would love to learn that. I said, an online course, what the heck is that? I was the furthest from knowing anything about online. I was a songwriter. What year is this, would you say? Oh my God, that was not long ago. That was four years ago, like 2015, okay. this is 16. Great. But I decided, I was pregnant with my third daughter. I was like, okay, I will make an online course. How hard could it be? I called it six-figure songwriting, which is what I had been doing. And I didn't know the first thing. I had never seen a webinar. I had never run a webinar. I wound up doing a webinar six weeks after I decided I was going to launch a course. I created a course. I did the same thing I did with my music business. I called up a person who had been reaching out to me, always asking me what you know, how I did what I did. I said, would you come over and just ask me questions and I will ah, make a course okay. for you.
0: Listen, Lifer, I have a favor to ask of you. While you're listening to the show right now, can you just take a screenshot of it? and then share it to your Instagram story or your Facebook page and be certain to tag me. That way I can check in with you. I can find out what you loved about that episode. And it's just a really cool way for me to connect with the podcast tribe. Also, don't forget, we've got a group of like-minded people that are waiting to meet you. It's called The Pod Squad. It's a free Facebook group. I would love for you to join. You'll just have to answer a few quick questions to prove that you are actually a listener. It's really simple. And you can connect with people who are a lot like you and maybe even make some friends in your city. And lastly, when you leave a review for the show and we either read it or play your voicemail recording of that review, always remember to send an email saying, that's me, that's me, and I'm ready to claim my prize. Then, what you'll do is take a screenshot of the episode where your voice or your review was featured, and you want to send that screenshot in an email to the Shalene Show at gmail.com. So simple, so fun, and thank you as always for supporting. I love you. Okay, can you break down, like, what does that look like? What does that sound like?
1: You asked me what you need, and I'll teach it to you. And she was like, oh my God, that'd be amazing. And so, that's, again, I, who was who I serving, right? And she was a good example. And what does she need to know? And I was like, oh, I don't have to just kind of come up with it. You'll just ask me and it's done. So she took notes and we put together slideshows. And I was like, okay, I guess that's my first course.
0: It sounds like you, you, know, you literally made it messy. Like you just kind of threw this together. Or was there a lot more production it involved? It was
1: not perfect by any means. I didn't have any high tech. There was no videos. I didn't know what I was doing. I signed up for an online class platform. And I taught my very first webinar. There was over a thousand people at the first one. I had never run a Facebook (laughs) ad. I didn't, I was pregnant. It was just so life-changing because at the end of the first webinar, I said, if you want to take my class, you can. And here's
0: what I'm going to teach you. And here's what happened to me. And, you know, this is what we can do together. That's amazing. That's exactly what we try to tell people here on Build Your Tribe is you've just got to start. You've just got to put it together, throw it out there, make it messy. And- See what happens. And so, so what happened? That class wound up making a million and a half dollars a year for three years in a row. Are you telling me that this class, the the online course that you had created was specifically targeting songwriters? Okay. In my personal life, you're the only songwriter I know. So in my mind, I would think, is there even a market for this? Are there enough people who are songwriters or who want to be songwriters this is the beauty of taking anything online. Yeah, you might not know those people in real life, but that doesn't mean that there aren't hundreds of thousands, millions of them perhaps online that you offer.
1: A hundred percent. And for everything that you do, there will be a line of people around the block who want to know how you do what you do. And it doesn't mm. matter. I was thinking, I remember thinking to myself, oh my God, who am I to do this? I'm not Cheryl Crow. And then I thought, Yeah, but she doesn't have a class where she's teaching songwriters how to write music for a Pixar movie. Like, I don't think we understand this well enough. But if you want to go take karate, you and you're starting out, I don't think you want to take from the guy who's the absolute black belt of the world. Mm -hmm. Like, he's not going to do you any good.
0: No, I'm thinking about taking a hip hop class. I'm like, I'm going to look for like the worst... hip-hop instructor so that I like feel pretty. Right.
1: Dope. And and the thing is that there is just so much value at every point in the journey because if you only know A through D, you're probably a better person to teach someone A through D than if you know all the way through Z. And the person is just beginning to even see like, what is this? What are these letters? What does this even mean? And so that class wound up becoming just crazy successful. And I started seeing all of those artists growing and then what happened was one of my students said, why don't you start a podcast to help all creatives once and for all figure out how they could make a living doing what they love and to be resourceful. And so I started a podcast called Don't Keep Your Day Job because whenever you want to do something creative, people say, oh, don't give up your day job. You want to be a <laughs> potter? No way. You want to write, you, you want to write a screen? Don't, don't give up your day job. And I thought, well, how can people do these things that they just love to do? And I started the podcast and the podcast
0: became way more successful than I anticipated. And why do you think that is? Because every day we're seeing more and more people launching their podcast. And it's to that point where now everyone feels like, do I need a podcast? Do I have to have a podcast? Everyone has a podcast. It's harder and harder to stand out. And, you know, you started yours three years ago, which is, you know, there was still a lot of competition at the time. What did you do to stand out, to get people's attention to be found? Because there's a lot of great content out there, a lot of great podcasters who will never hear about their show. I mean, it's true. And when
1: I started it, I thought I'd have like three listeners and I can't believe now we're at like 11 million downloads in you know, three years. I think it comes back to that radical empathy because you know, I had this guy, Adam Grant, on my podcast and he's great. He has his own podcast. It's like a TED podcast. And he's a professor at Wharton and a best-selling author. and he said to me, "You know what, Kathy, you don't have to say something new if you say something true." And the thing mm. that's really true is that people are in a lot of pain, a lot of pain. And most people, they just talk at you, but they're not really there, and they're not really listening. Mm. And I have a tremendous sense of how much people are struggling with. And since I was a kid, I always felt highly aware of that stuff. And, you know, it's like there's a movie, The Sixth Sense, and the little kid, he like, he sees ghosts, you know. He's like, I see dead people. And I always felt like I see people's pain, you know. So I'll meet mm-hmm. a waitress or an Uber driver, and I just know this person's been through it, you know. This person's really been mm-hmm. through it. And so every single show... I know that that's what people really need to hear is I see you, I see your pain, I see the grief and it is Herculean that you have made it to today. Mm -hmm. We can only help someone out of a well if we've been down in that well. But if Mm -hmm. you could come down in that well and you can speak their language and you can say, I know that you are shivering right now and I know what this feels like. And it's very, very dark, but I want you to trust me. You're going to hop on my back and together we're going. And I'm telling you, there's something going on up there. There's light up there. You can breathe up there. I'm taking you with me.
0: Let's go. Mm -hmm. Great visual. Let me play devil's advocate for a second. And Kathy, I, I am that person you've just described. I'm speaking the truth and I Believe that this is the podcast that people need to listen to, but I'm launching my show tomorrow and there's so much noise out there. And I hear what you're saying, but it's a different time right now. Are there any tactics, specific things that you would suggest people do? And I'm of the opinion, I usually tell people when they're starting a podcast that the days of being able to book a big guest and it helping your show have changed. Because back then, like those big guests would promote your show, mm-hmm. but now those big guests are on five podcasts that week. So they're, they're just, they're not going to yeah. promote yeah. your show. Do you think that there still is great value in getting the, the well-known authors and thought leaders and experts on your show? And and if not, or if so, what other strategies might you suggest for someone who's, they're embarking on launching their podcast this week? Okay. Two things.
1: One, the most popular shows that we've ever done do not correlate to how famous the guest is. They mm-hmm. just don't. The most popular shows have to do with the title of the episode and how much that reflects what our listeners feel. Mm-hmm. That is really, really important. So, huge. yeah, I mean, we've had people on the show like Jenna Fisher, Howard Schultz, Barbara Corcoran, Bobby Brown, the makeup artist, Jonathan Adler, and Mandy Moore. We've had a huge guests. Those are not our most popular episodes. But when I do a show that's called How to Stop Overthinking It, when I do a show about overcoming your fear, overcoming imposter syndrome, boy, do those shows get downloaded. So that's Mm. really important to know. Sometimes we allow these excuses to be the reasons we don't do things. And it's like, guess what? That's not even the reason. (laughs) Like You don't need a famous guest. And as far as the second thing I was going to say, as far as tactics are concerned, what I've learned about anything you're going to do, whether it's your podcast or anything else, 10% of it is the podcast. That's 10%. 90% is everything you do around that show to make sure that people know that there is a show, right? Mm. So Mm -hmm. we've got to really build in understanding what you do. You can't just... You're doing, you know, I see people do this all the time. They get so busy just like, okay, I'm just going to write the book. I'll just sit down and I'll just write the entire book. It's like, don't do that. I'd rather see you write the first chapter and then make sure that you get a lit agent and get a book deal and then you can write the rest of the book. Instead of recording 40 episodes before you ever figure out what your marketing system is to make sure people know about mm-hmm. it. It's like, no. You could record 6 or 7 Okay, batch record those, start to put them out once a week. And then you got to be really clear what your system is to make sure people know that these shows are going up every Tuesday or Wednesday or whenever you put them out there. So what are the things that you do? Well, there's several ways that you're going to make a community. And that community is really essential. And what you want to do is you want to engage with these human beings. You want to have a conversation with them that they feel like they are a part of the show. So, there's a couple things you can do. First of all, you could create a Facebook group. Okay, that's very different mm-hmm. than a Facebook page. A Facebook page is me just sort of like front facing, and I'm going to post what I post. But a group is we're going to discuss things, we're going to have a conversation about things. So, let's say I have a show that goes up every Monday. So then, maybe every Tuesday I go live for 10 minutes and talk about what the show was about. And maybe once a day, which takes five minutes, I ask a question, like sincerely, like I care and I say, hey, I'm curious. Like, let's say my show is all about being vegan. You know, maybe I ask a question, like, what was the last vegan recipe that you made that you love? Drop it below. Or, what was the reason you wanted to be vegan? Is it environmental reasons? Is it health reasons? Or maybe the next day I asked something silly like, who's your favorite fictional character who's vegan? Is it someone from a TV show? You got to talk to people, care about these people. So the engagement with human beings is huge because once you have eight or nine people that they cannot get enough, That is how you're going to now have 18 people because they won't be able to not tell their friend. They have to tell their friend now. That's right. And the best thing that you can do is to talk to them. I didn't just say to myself, okay, I'm just going to just broadcast for the next three years straight. I'm just going to come up with episodes out of the top of my head. Well, that really wouldn't be listening to my audience and having empathy. So I was going to ask them, what are you struggling with? What would you like to see an episode about? What kinds of things are coming up for you that are getting in the way? And then it's like so easy. Oh, that's what you want me to talk? Okay, great, let's do that. How else can I bring you into the show? I realized right away that I should have a second episode every week where we would read letters from the audience and, and celebrate their wins. And even if they were small little things, they would be so inspiring to other people to hear that somebody else, okay, maybe she doesn't have a seven-figure business, but she started to sell her cupcakes at a local farmer's market. And how inspiring is that? That's so cool. She's down making 1,500 bucks a month selling these cheesecakes. That's cool. So I started to in- invite my listeners to become guests on the show. So there's lots of important ways
0: that you want to yeah. set it up that you're engaging tactically. But so much of it, the common theme, the thread throughout is tribe, is communication, and is connection. That's, yeah. that's that common theme. So much of what you've done in this short period of time is going to make some people feel really, gosh, intimidated, and others are going to be inspired by it. And I think it would be really helpful if you wouldn't mind sharing with us, because you're such a strong proponent of using strategies and using systems. Like, okay, this has worked. What is your system for getting this kind of productivity done? Like writing a book is a pain in oh, the butt. Oh, so awful. Creating uh, all of this content and the, the podcasts and your academies all with, you know, really young kids, young girls. What is your system for managing all of this? Can you share us like, like really on a granular level? What, how do you do that? I mean there's two things. One is that every
1: one of us, I know, but I certainly have this. Can you remember a moment where you could just feel in your gut, you could just taste it? What's really possible? And it goes away sometimes and it gets dark and we can't see, but then there's like a flash of lightning and you go, I see it again. And I just know that there's enough sunsets and good sushi and quality of life, like really good towels and walking on the beach (laughs) with your kids and just feeling so filled up with the wonder of this world. I just know that that's available for all of us. And I know it. And I know that to the extent that I'm willing to ask for what I want and to put my arms out that it's going to come in. So that keeps me pretty motivated because it's like, why am I going to play small? You know, maybe the creator of the universe, maybe it's like all of this is like, it's like a huge buffet and it's all waiting for us. Mm-hmm. And we just walk up with this tiny little plate. It's like, why? You could also go to the carving station. You could also get the the milkshake, have it all,
0: have it. So definitely you've got that. The mindset that helps us to understand the motivation when, you know, as you said, sometimes it gets dark and you don't see what it is that you want. But when we do see what it is we want, in the meantime, I've got one who's pulling on my leg and another one who doesn't have any clean clothes and a third one who's throwing a temper tantrum and I'm trying to, like, what does this look like? So I'm going to press you a little further because we've got a lot of concept and I'm 100% in support and in agreement with that so much of energy is our state of mind. And I know for me personally, when my kids were little, people asked me this all the time. What did your schedule look like? like? What did your day look like? And I know for me, what it looked like was I did my work hours before my family woke up and in the hours after they went to bed. And then the rest of the time, it kind of just happened in small chunks, like, okay, gosh, they're playing well at the moment. I can get 30 minutes done. I can get 15 minutes done. I can get 20 minutes done. Yeah. I can. I mean, I would love to say that I had help at the time. I didn't. We couldn't afford it at the time. And, and that's just something we agreed that we wanted to do ourselves. My
1: day, there's nothing to hide. There's no secret here. It's like, I have whatever free time I have, which is very little. I do what you did. I wake up really early and I start working on the business but it's because it's exciting I like it yeah. I like doing it so it gets me out of bed like a lion every day I'm like oh this is going to be fun I like doing this stuff and then I I look at like the priorities and I say okay I have a couple hours today so you know I'm not going to waste any time I'm going to have to record some episodes of the show and I'm going to have to uh go live and talk about this offer or or give some people some you know freebie some education on something and I still don't have a nanny. I never have. I think I just had too much guilt around it. I would say the answer to your question is people work harder instead of
0: working smarter. I want to know what you do. Like, describe your day for me, Kathy.
1: Yeah. Well, for me, the, the most important thing for me is to do the thing that I actually need to do and mm, cut out all the fat. Yes. Okay. So that's the thing. It's like Step one, prioritize. I'm, well, because here's the thing. I still don't have a nanny, right? And my, I take my kids to school and then I pick them up every day. So I've got just a few hours every single day and then I'm on kid duty. Yep. And before, a year ago, I always had a kid home. So sometimes all I had was nap time. Mm. Like a friend of mine calls it nap time empires and she's right. There wow. was a time where all I had was those nap time hours and sometimes she wouldn't even sleep, right? just depended on the day and the kid. You can be honest with yourself or
0: you can lie to yourself. Okay. And I love you're putting it to us in these very blunt terms. What do you mean by that though? What does that mean to be honest with yourself?
1: It's like, do you really need to noodle on your website for 15 more hours? Mm, Yeah. Or do you need to make that one phone call a day to the person who needs your services? Pick up the phone. Mm. Do you really need to send 16 emails, funnels, or do you just need to record the podcast and show up and do one great thing consistently over and
0: over, which becomes the biggest lead generator you ever had? Mm. Okay. And, and why do we do this? Why do we tell ourselves this narrative if it's not serving us? I guess what
1: I'm really doing is telling myself that I have too much to do because I only really have to do three things every day, but they're scary. So instead of doing the three things I need to do that will actually affect my business, I think personally, when I've looked at this, I don't think there's more than 45 minutes of work you can do every day that will really move your business forward anyway. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that's huge. When people tell me that they're busy for eight hours a day and they're not getting anything done, I'm like, because you're not doing the things that have the biggest leverage Then you're just spinning your wheels and then you keep putting off the thing that actually matters. I meet so many people who've already tested their product. They've already got the right thing. It's like, okay, you're making this granola. You need to call three coffee shops a day and ask them if they want to buy 10 pounds of granola. That's it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's real talk. And I think that's important to hear because I do, as I'm sure you often will hear people make, I kind of want to say the excuse, like, well... It's just not the right season for me. I I love doing this thing, but there's too much going on. I can't be a great mom and pursue my thing. And I think if you have radical, intense, laser-like focus on what truly matters, you scrape all the other things off of your plate and you become a ninja for the things that move your business forward instead of all the things you need to do because that list never ends, whether you have kids or not. That list never freaking ends. I'm going to tell you something. A friend of mine, she was also listening to my podcast
1: and she's a mom. She's got three little kids under the age of six, no nanny, and she had become vegan and she was trying to figure out a business and she had tried making some content. Every week, she'd do like a little recipe video with vegan food and she tried to parlay that into an e-cookbook. It didn't really do so well. So she's like, what's the other business I could do? And one day, one of the recipes she had made was this vegan corned beef and she thought, well, this is actually really good. Maybe I should try to sell it. And so she had like literally an hour every day where she wasn't with the baby or the other two kids while they were in school and the baby's asleep. And we were talking and she's like, oh, well, what do you think I should do? And I was like, maybe you should just start calling delis around LA and see if they want to taste it and see if they want to buy a few pounds. And she got herself into every single deli (laughs) on the West Side, Cantor's, Izzy's, Factors. Next thing she knew... She was making like a few thousand dollars a month. She was selling a few thousand pounds of this thing. She found a. She asked the question, okay, well, now I need a co-packer. Who would I call? But she did those hard things. That was all she did was make those calls, which were the scary things to do as opposed to like noodling with more recipes and working on her branding. She's like, let me just make a phone call and get the manager of this deli on the phone and then go down with a quarter of a sandwich and see if he wants it. And then she started saying, well, where else are there mouths to feed? Well, there's like, The Fox lot, the CBS lot, they have commissaries. Maybe I should figure out who works in that, you know, commissary, and would they want to sell it Mm -hmm. to their employees? She started to sell it. Then her friend said to her, "Why don't you audition for Shark Tank?" Within a calendar year, she did all the things I just said. Applied to Shark Tank, got on, made a deal with Mark Cuban. He gave her two hundred fifty thousand dollars when she only asked for a hundred. And now she's in Quiznos and Whole Foods, and it's a million dollar business in less than a year. She has three little kids, no nanny. It's called, what is the actual thing you have to do? (laughs) Do that thing when your daughter is asleep. Yes. But only do that. Now, what does it go back? It goes back to mindset. I think we make this so much more complicated because we don't really want to zoom in on what the real issue is, which is that we don't feel worthy of anything. We don't feel like what we have to do matters. And we're afraid that we have to be perfect so we can't pick up the phone or send the email or make the offer because we're putting all of this pressure on ourselves yeah, I just can't sit around. I'm just going to have to do the hard things. I God, I wanted to put it off till the end of the day, but that's not going to get me
0: anywhere. If you're not inspired by this, then you aren't alive. If you've got a pulse, your heart is pumping and you just really dropped the truth on us, Kathy. And, and that's what I love about you. You're a straight talker, you're a straight shooter. I love hashtag, just be normal. Like That's so true. Like, You don't have to be incredibly special or unique because you are, but you don't have to prove that to anyone. Just like be who you are and connect with people and do what's important. Like these messages seem to come so easily to you. And if these are some of the things that you struggle with, I highly encourage you to subscribe to Kathy's Podcast. Don't keep your day job. You also really help people like take actionable steps. I know you've got challenges you're doing routinely to help people break through and take action and figure out what they were meant to do. Where can people learn more about some of those challenges you like to do?
1: You can go to my website, kathyheller.com. If you go to kathyheller.com slash challenge, I'm sure we have another one coming up really soon. And what I do is I show up for five days and I go live every day and I'm just like, I basically give you everything I have. Like, there's mm-hmm. nothing left because at the end of the day, if someone's going to sign up for your program, it's not information that you need to hide. Right? Information is everywhere. It's people need accountability and connection. And I also on my website at kathyheller.com, we made a quiz to help people figure out what kind of archetype, career-wise, they really might be best suited for. Because I felt for so long like oh my God, could someone just show me a possibility? Mm -hmm. And I realized that you could be an investigator, a curator, a maker, or a teacher. Mm. And I've done all four of those things now in my career. And it really opens up a whole nother path when you can see that you can monetize something and it doesn't have to be that the only way to monetize it is because you're the artist. Like there are so many ways to make a living, whether you're putting together the event, or you're creating the content, which is the podcast or the book, you don't have to be the bread maker. You could teach people how to make sourdough bread. You right. could create an event for, for artisan breads. Like, there's just so much to be done and it's really exciting. Yeah, so we created a quiz to help people with that.
0: Very inspirational. Kathy is spelled C-A-T-H-Y, Heller, H-E-L-L-E-R.com. Of course, the link is below in our show notes. Kathy, it has been such an honor to have you on the show. You dropped so much knowledge and motivation. Like I'm seriously inspired now. My energy level's that much higher. Really? So oh, thank good. you so much on behalf of everyone who's listening today. You guys, be sure to check her out. You're so good at what you do. Thank you. On Instagram, where can we find you there? Is that the social you're
1: most active on? Yes, I'm most social on Instagram. I love it. I just started doing it and it's so
0: fun at kathy.heller. All right, we'll have that up in the show notes as well for easy clickable links. And guys, join that challenge. I think that's a great way to figure out what it is you were meant to do. And you never know. This just might be the year where you explore an avenue you hadn't considered and just make that step in the right direction where you wake up every day, like she said, like a lion excited to take on, (laughs) excited to do what you do. Kathy, you've been a joy. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. You're amazing. (laughs) Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed creating it for you. I wanted to mention a tool that I think you're going to find incredibly useful especially if you struggle sometimes to know what your purpose is, what is your thing, like what are you called to do, why are you here, what makes you great, what makes you unique? You know what, I think you're too close to yourself to actually even see it. I think if we asked a lot of your friends and family members, they would know. But I want you to know it, I want you to declare it, I want you to see it. So I've developed this really simple questionnaire, you just download it, it's kind of like a quiz, But you're gonna know all the answers to this quiz because it's a quiz about you. And when you complete it right there in your own handwriting, it's gonna be perfectly clear to you what your thing is. So do me a favor, no, do you a favor and download this questionnaire. You can get it for free by going to shaleen.com forward slash my thing. And then answer the questions and I wanna hear from you send me an Instagram message and let me know, like, what is your thing? I'm really excited to hear, and I know you will be too. It can be life-changing and clarity-providing to know what your thing is. The same answers are gonna come up over and over again when you fill out this questionnaire. It's gonna be so obvious to you, and it's gonna give you that boost in confidence that maybe you've been missing. All right, again, shaleen.com forward slash my thing, and I am really excited for you to do this.